So this Sunday, we'll be wrapping up our eight-week series on Back to the Basics, where we as a church went through the visions and values that we have as a church. Last week, Dominic discussed the importance of connecting others with God and the importance of Christian service. This week, we'll be continuing that section on connecting others with God, but discussing more on local outreach and global missions. When Dominic asked if I'd preach on this, I was more than excited to preach on this topic. So for those who don't know, I grew up at a Christian and Missionary Alliance church. I've worked at two Christian and Missionary Alliance churches, and I am ordained in the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For those who do not know, the Christian Missionary Alliance is a denomination that has a huge emphasis on the importance of making sure that the message of Jesus and that the gospel is presented to everyone here, near, and far. So the first short-term missions trip that I was on was when I was a sophomore in high school. Our trip destination was domestic, and it was to McDowell County, West Virginia, one of the poorest counties in the United States. It was a booming coal town back in the 1950s, but due to mechanization breakthroughs and coal mining technologies, it almost put everyone in the town out of a job, and they had no work to do. As a youth group on our way to West Virginia, our youth group had memorized portions of Matthew 28 and Acts 1. The short-term mission trip really opened my eyes to the importance of prayer and then also the importance of reaching out and sharing the message of Jesus with others, especially those that are experiencing hardships. On a, on a lighter note, another important thing that I learned is that terrible, nauseating feeling that you get when you're in the back of a 16-seat passenger van driving up and down the winding country roads of the Appalachian Mountains. <laughs> yeah, it's not a great feeling. So the verses that we'll be going through today are Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. More specifically, we'll be diving further into verses 6 through 8. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd like to invite you to open up to Acts chapter 1. It'll be on the screens as well. Now, before we dive into the text, let me open us up in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the gift of your word. We pray that you would open our eyes, that you would open our ears to hear and see what you have to say to us today. We pray that anything that I say that is not of you that would just fall away like chaff in the wind and that you would let the things of you stick. We love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So to the text. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave, gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, he was eating with them, and he gave them the command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? 
He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. As a reminder, Luke is the person who wrote the book of Acts, and he also wrote the Gospel of Luke. The book of Acts is more so a continuation of the Gospel of Luke. It's a part two. Luke first starts the book of Acts off with mentioning his previous book that was written. The Gospel of Luke then gives a little more detailed version of the ascension of Jesus in the book of Acts. The Gospel of Luke has like a two-verse summary, whereas the book of Acts has more around eight verses. Jesus then tells his apostles what they are to wait in Jerusalem, that they are to wait in Jerusalem, that John baptized with water and that in a few days they'd be baptized with the Holy Spirit. With our knowledge, we know that happened just a chapter later. You could read about it in Acts chapter 2. Then the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? So let's put this in context. Jesus has just made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Everyone was celebrating Jesus as their king. And then Jesus got crucified, died, and was buried for three days. Jesus resurrected from the dead, and his disciples are joyous and confused at the same time. The question points to the Jewish hope that God would establish his rule in such a way that the people of Israel would be freed from their enemies, mainly the Romans, and be established as a nation which other people would be subservient to them. Now, Jesus doesn't directly answer the question that his disciples posed to them, to him. Instead, he answers, it is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus does not fill the desires of the disciples to know when the end is coming or when the apocalypse is happening, but rather gives them instructions on what they should be doing right now. It is easy for us to speculate and easy for us to start to fill our minds of when is Jesus coming back or are the end times coming? Pointing to a certain time and then saying, this is clearly end time stuff or Jesus is coming back any minute now. Jesus makes it extremely clear to his disciples that this is not for his disciples to know a time or a date, but we should be focusing on the action that Jesus directs us to, which is witnessing to our Jerusalem, our Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So our first point, why do we need to connect others with God through, global, through local outreach and global missions? First, point because people need to know Jesus. <laughs> to bring us to our first point, why? Why do we need to connect others to God? Why do we need to have local outreach? Why do we need to have global missions as a part of our values and a vision of our church? 
First, it's a command of Jesus. That's a pretty, pretty good point right there. <laughs> Literally, what we just read. Being witnesses to Jerusalem and to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And it's also found in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, really important. But why do we need to do this? Why do we need to be witnesses of Jesus Christ? Why do we need to make disciples of Jesus Christ? Why can't we just be a church that connects with God and connects with others? Because it is our duty, it is our job, and it is our responsibility. But even the most important thing, it is our privilege, privilege, that God would call us, that God would choose us to be his ambassadors, to be his representatives to our world, that he would use broken people like us to be his ambassadors, to be his representatives towards those who are around us. So why do people need to know Jesus? Why is that important, that people need to know Jesus? So let's start here. It's a worldview question. Do people, do you believe that people are inherently good? Or do you believe that people are inherently good? <laughs> or do you think that people left to their own devices, left to their own choices, that they would make the right decision? So this is definitely the leading thought that is currently leading our culture and leading our society, that when left to their own devices, people would make the right choice, that people are being true to themselves, are showing their true humanity when they follow their heart, when they do the right thing. Now, let me share with you a story that is found in the Bible. It's in the book of Genesis, starting in Genesis chapter 1. Now, when God created everything, and when he saw that he, what he made, what was it? Yeah, it was very good. Then, what was the first, what was the next thing that followed that? Adam and Eve were told that they were to eat from any tree in the garden except one tree. I think most of us know what happens. They end up eating from the fruit of the tree and that they were specifically told not to eat from. They get kicked out of the garden for directly disobeying the one thing that God told them not to do. And so us, as humanity, no longer walk with God. Sin has entered into the created order and it is ingrained in all of us, into all of the created order. Augustine, an early church father, coined the phrase original sin. Every single person person since Adam and Eve, every single person that has existed has been infected with this sin, tainted with this sin. And as a church, we have been reading the Bible together, and we just went through the book of Leviticus, which describes all the Israelites had to do, all the sacrifices that they had to make in order to provide his people the ability to live in his presence once again. Now remember, God is holy. God is set apart. God cannot be in the presence of sin. That is something that we have constantly and consistently been going through the various texts. And as we continue as a church to read through the Bible, we'll continue to see the natural inclination of the human heart and the depravity that pervades all humanity continuing to this day. Every single person is separated from God. Humanity is without an excuse, and every single person that exists is destined to die, and after physical death, faces judgment and eternal separation from God. 
no matter all the good that someone does, no matter all the righteous moral acts that someone commits, those, who do, those things do not bring you into the presence of God. That does not give you a standing before a holy God. This is the biblical worldview and completely counterintuitive into the culture that we currently live in today. But fortunately, God does not leave us there. God does not leave us dead in our sin. We, the church of Jesus Christ, believe that Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, was the perfect sacrifice that died in place for our sins on the cross. Jesus rose from the grave, defeated the power of death, that we have new life in him, that we have eternal life in him, and that we are saved from eternal hell, have eternal glory with Christ Jesus. God, just as he dwelt amongst his people in the tabernacle, as we're reading through a church in the book of Numbers, and he dwelt in his temple, now dwells in the hearts of those that believe in his son, Jesus Christ. There are a lot more details I could include, but that is the amazing news, and that is the why that fuels our purpose and our need to help share that news to others, and is the reason why we need to connect others with God. Which goes to our next point. How do we do this? So Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That is point two. So now that we have the why, the next question, how? So I'm grateful to hear that you asked that because Jesus, <laughs> Jesus gives us the how in Acts chapter one, saying that we will receive the power of the Holy Spirit, that we will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on us, and that we will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So this is a connecting statement. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you to the reason to be witnesses, to testify, to be his representatives, to be evangelists. Pastor Dominic discussed the various spiritual gifts that have been placed on believers. But did you know what gift every single believer has? Every single believer in Christ has been empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a witness of Jesus Christ. Therefore, every single believer has the gift of evangelism. As discussed before, this is a great privilege that we have as followers of Jesus, but it's also our great responsibility that has bestowed upon us followers of Jesus Christ. So once again, the Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. For those that are not familiar uh, with the region, I have a map that's right on the screen here. You can see that Jerusalem is right in the center of where that blue circle is. And then the yellow circle is encompassing of Judea and Samaria. And then the red circle identifies the ends of the earth, which is essentially everywhere outside of that region. So as we bring this closer to our context, what Jesus is saying here is Jerusalem. He is saying, be witnesses in your hometown. For us, Jesus is calling us to be 
witnesses here in Maple Plain, Minnesota, here in the western metro of Minneapolis. We're to be witnesses, to be representatives, to be evangelists, to be missionaries to our neighbors. My wife and I live in Plymouth just off of County Road 24. We have gotten to know everyone that lives on our street. We've learned all of our neighbors' name on our street, and we continue to learn more people in our neighborhood just by running into them as we take walks with our dogs down the street. So the neighborhood in the town that I live in is my Jerusalem, the mission field that God has called Allison and I to. And it is our intention to continue to pray for and to seek opportunities to connect with our neighbors beyond just knowing their names and their street addresses. Pew Research Center uh, states that in the Twin Cities Metro says that there are 15% of people in our entire Twin Cities Metro that would call themselves evangelical Christians. That's 15% of people would call themselves evangelical Christians. I think that one of the common misconceptions or assumptions that Christians make is, oh, they must be Christian. They do good things. They're a nice person. They're a nice family. But do they know and trust Jesus as their Savior? I think that most people in our area know who Jesus is. Um, They have heard about him in some kind of way, whether that be attending church a couple times on Christmas or Easter or by some other means. But through most conversations I've had with people, they generally see Jesus as a good moral teacher who taught good things and turned water into wine and knew how to throw a great party. That was seriously a conversation that I had with someone. I think that if you were to have conversations with just one of your neighbors, coworkers, or somebody in your sphere of influence, then you ask them uh, that you think are nice people, that are a nice family, and you ask them about Jesus, I think that you might be a little surprised at their response. So next, Jesus calls us to Judea and Samaria, which in our context, considered the state of Minnesota or the United States. An example of this partnering, example of this is partnering with various organizations or people that are in need or help within a ministry in the state of Minnesota or the United States. An example of this is a story that I shared with the youth group when I was a part of Younger, that we partnered with an existing ministry that was in West Virginia to help accomplish the ministry that they were doing in that area. As I'm still relatively new here, it is really neat to hear how Maple Plain Community Church does this, how our youth group partners with the various ministries and goes on short-term mission trips uh, with individuals with like Kansas City or Logan, West Virginia. Phil and I were talking about that. It's like, oh, we went on mission trips about a couple hours from each other, (laughs) which is neat. Many friends I know became missionaries in other countries and to the ends of the earth because of the impact of short-term missions trips that they had on when they were a youth. Next, Jesus calls us to be witnesses to the ends of the earth, which means everywhere, to all nations. When I was going through uh, the interview process here as the associate pastor of worship and discipleship about a year ago, it was amazing to hear our church's heart and our passion for global missions. Um, Now I've experienced the Missions Conference, a modified missions conference, and beyond supporting many full-time vocational global missionaries as a church, and through prayer, 
in connecting with them, I've also heard of the numerous stories about how people from our congregation physically go out to the ends of the earth to these countries and help the global missionaries in the great work that they are doing in other countries. Personally, I have friends, many great friends that are missionaries all over the world, many in countries that you can't even say where they are. But all that they're facing, the persecution that they're facing, the death threats that they face just for being in these countries, it is just truly amazing, just as a new person here who's been a part of the Christian Missionary Alliance, of the great legacy and the great focus that we here have as a church on global missions and just how important it is to reach out, to help share the message of the gospel towards those who are, at, who are in the ends of the earth, who are at the ends of the earth. Every area that Jesus describes here in this commandment is just as important as the other. Our Jerusalem is just as important as Judea and Samaria, and our Judea and Samaria are just as important to the ends of the earth. It is truly neat to see this lived out by believers everywhere, in every country. So I went to community college, and for my first couple years of college, uh, I went to community college for the first couple years of college, and there was one day when I was stopped by this random person in the hallway. He invited me to come to his Bible study that him and his wife had at his house. Politely told him, I'm already connected to a church community. I'm already a believer in Jesus. And him and I just started a conversation. And I learned that him and his wife are missionaries from a church in South Korea. And they were sent here by their church to preach the gospel here, and them wanting to see people come to Jesus, because this is their ends of the earth. So there is a recent study from Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary that found that the United States sends the most amount of missionaries worldwide, but that they are also the country that receives the most amount of missionaries from around the world. Pew Research Center studies conducted over the past 10 years state that there has been a sharp decline in the number of people who identify as Christians in the United States. Just within the past 10 years, there has been a 12% decline on those who identify as Christian. For those who don't want to do the math, there's 328 million people, roughly, who live in the United States. 12% of, of, 12 of 328 million is just over 39 million people in the United States that no longer identify as Christian. And then in the past 10 years, there has been a 9% increase in the category that is religiously unaffiliated, that don't, die, uh, don't identify as Christians or any sort of religion. It's 29 million people. This is, the, this is called the Rise of the Nuns, N-O-N-E-S, and that Pew Research also has correlating data showing the sharp decline in church attendance as well. I'm not making this stuff up. You could look, look it up. Pew Research Center is an extremely reputable research firm, and you can go up, look up these statistics as well. This isn't to be all doom and gloom, but it is the current status that we are in, and it leads us to our final point. Point number three is the imminent return of Jesus. There's an urgency that we have as believers to share the message with others because Jesus is coming back. 
As we finish this passage, Jesus was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky and as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Here we have the assurance that Jesus is going to come back again and in the same way Jesus left. And as we believers have this hope that Jesus will come back again and he will come back as our coming king. As noted before in the text, it is not for us to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. In other words, we will never know what time that Jesus will come back. No one will unlock this secret code that is found in the Bible predicting when the end times Jesus is coming back. If Jesus saying this once isn't enough, he also says it in Matthew 24 about the thief in the night and that the son of, so the Son of Man will come at the hour when you do not expect him. What is being ready? Being ready is witnessing. Being ready is sharing the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone. Does that mean I should stand on the street corner with a megaphone and just start shouting that people should repent of their sins and that Jesus is coming back? Well, true. I'm not sure this is the best method for sharing the message of Jesus. But how will lost, hurting, and broken people in the world know that we are Jesus' disciples? In John 13, 35, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, saying that we are to love one another just as Jesus has loved us. And that is how the world will know that we are his disciples. And in Mark 12, 31, that's where he says that you are to love one another. Hold on. That we are to love one another, John 13, 35, and just as Jesus has loved us, and that's how the world will know that we are his disciples, Mark 12, 31 and that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And get to know your neighbors. Get to know them more than, how's it going? Wow, that's crazy weather that we're having here. <laughs> well, those are great conversation starters. Just dive deeper. Just truly reach out. Well, once it's warmer outside, maybe consider inviting them over for a barbecue. Or it's just something similar to that. Truly get to know your neighbors. Just get to know your coworkers. And you'll just... See the various opportunities that you'll have to be the light of Jesus and to share the message of Jesus with them. It might take some time, but when you truly love your neighbor as yourself, barriers get broken down. So we all have that one friend or know that one person that they were talking to a flight attendant or that they were talking to a server at a restaurant and they shared the message of the gospel with them and they accept the message of Jesus right away. And they have like 15 of these stories. I remember when I was in college, a young adults group that I was part of at uh, church. And that was one of the first times that I had the opportunity to share the message of Jesus with someone for the first time. They were new, had no idea what the Bible said, and they were really seeking what the Bible meant. I remember that I was going through the message of the gospel and I was stumbling through it, probably didn't say things correctly, or probably didn't say things correctly, but I knew that the Holy Spirit was somehow working through the broken message that I was carrying. They didn't make a decision to follow Jesus at that moment. They only came a couple more times to our meetings and then they stopped coming. But I knew that 
at least there's hopefully a seed planted. I'm just sharing that story just as an encouragement. It is difficult, and it is probably not going to be perfect. But we should pray for opportunities to share the message of Jesus. And just pray for opportunities that the Holy Spirit would use us despite our weaknesses. And that could just be inviting someone to church. If you're too afraid, just invite someone to come to church. Just say, hey, I got church. We got church service. You got to join us in person. If you're afraid to come in person, you could just join us online and just check us out. And so from this, here are our takeaway points for today. I'll just shoot them out right now. Point one, here. Point two, near. Point three, far. Here, near, and far. So takeaway point one. Think of one of your neighbors, coworkers, friends, and someone in your sphere of influence, and pray that they would come to know Jesus as Savior of their lives. Just think of one person. Praying for them on a frequent basis. Do not underestimate the power of prayer and the doors that God will open for you to be able to talk about Jesus with them. Point number two, near. Joining in various service projects or donation drives that pop up at the church. Over the past summer, there are many families in Minneapolis that were in need of diapers because of a huge shortage from the protests going on downtown. The need was presented here at Maple Plain Community Church, and it was amazing to see two SUVs just packed full of diapers and donated by people here, and it was just amazing to see them transported to the drop-off areas. Being open to give to those opportunities or serve in those opportunities or bring up various opportunities to the leaders here is a way to being the light of Jesus to our Judea and Samaria. Three, far. We have, we have many missionaries that our church helps support, and it is just amazing, just as Zine shared, just amazing to hear those stories of our missionaries that we help support. Just spread the message of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth to make disciples of all nations. As a charge by our missions committee this past November, here are the three ways that you can help support our missionaries that we help support as a church. It's give, pray, and connect. You can help our missionaries that we help support by donating to the missions fund at our church that we have set up. That helps support them. It helps support our missionaries to help spread the message of Jesus to all nations. Next is we pray for the missionaries that we help support. Prayer is the foundation that we rely upon, and it is what our missionaries need to help spread the message of Jesus. And then lastly, connect with the missionary. Send them an email letting them know that you prayed for them, or even if you don't know them, they love and appreciate all the support that they receive. If you need any of their contact info or like a, a list of the missionaries that we support, talk to Dean Mooney, who just spoke before me. Or if you're joining us online, please feel free to reach out to me at csteinke at mpcommunitychurch.org and I'll connect you to the right person. There are just so many great things that are going on here at MPCC, and there are so many ministries and so many events that I haven't even listed here. Uh, VBS, the Easter Egg Hunt, the Operation Christmas Child, and there are so many other things that we do that help connect others to God, and it is extremely encouraging to see these things here in our church. Now, I'm dreaming, but wouldn't it be awesome 
if we had 10 baptisms this next year, wouldn't it be absolutely amazing if in 10 years from now, or not 10 years, in one year from now, we had 10 people give their lives to Jesus Christ, be baptized, and proclaim that Jesus is the savior of their life? I don't think, I don't think that's too ambitious of a goal. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be his witnesses, and God wants people to turn to him. Now to wrap us up, our goal and vision as a church that we have been talking about through the past eight weeks uh, is on the screen right here. And as Pastor Dominic has had us going through here, let's say these words together. Maple Plain Community Church is a place to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. You'll hear it more frequently, but it's just, that's just such a great vision and such a great place to go, and the importance of connecting others with God. Pray with me. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege it is to be witnesses of this good news that you have shared with us. We pray that you would use us as vessels of your Holy Spirit to help share this good news with everyone around us, to our Jerusalem, to, to Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.